Well, it's good to see all of you here this morning. As we uh, turn our attention to God's word this morning, we are resuming our study uh, in God's word as it relates to growing in Christ. Uh, this is our uh, theme uh, focus for this year, 2022, uh, and as uh, as I've kind of uh, thought through the messages that will be part of this series, uh, this should take us from this Sunday, Lord willing, through uh, September uh, the 11th, unless the Lord would direct us otherwise uh, in this time together in his word. As we think about uh, the idea of spiritual growth uh, as it relates to the, the Christian life, uh, you'll recall that... Uh, the scriptures use a lot of uh, analogy uh, to agricultural principles that are meant to illustrate for us uh, how we are to grow uh, in our walk with God. Uh, in fact, you'll recall this uh, chart that uh, we showed you here at the beginning uh, of this series uh, early on in this year. We've considered together that we need to cultivate our, our lives, which means that our hearts have to be ready and prepared to receive uh, the Word of God, uh, because there are things that can hinder and encumber uh, the growth uh, that can actually choke out His Word in our lives. And so we need to pull weeds and we need to remove the rocks uh, in our lives so that the soil is ready for planting and receiving uh, the seed, which is the Word. And we'll be talking about for the next couple of weeks today and um, one or two more, the idea of planting. What are we to plant into our lives? But also, we not only uh, cultivate and we plant, but we also water. Uh, you notice that it's gotten kind of dry around here, and if you have a garden, you need to water it or else it will soon shrivel up and you will have no crop. But even if you do the cultivating and the planting and the watering, uh, ultimately, growth is dependent upon God, so we need to pray. We need to be people of prayer. Uh, and then, uh, after praying, we, we see God bring in a harvest. We see fruit that is developed and ready and harvested. And when that happens, and through it all, we celebrate. We celebrate the Lord, we rejoice in Him, and uh, we, we worship Him for His goodness to us in our lives. And then there... Uh, is with the, the whole process of spiritual growth, there needs to be seasons of rest uh, in our lives. And we're going to consider all uh, six of these areas over the next 12 weeks as we share in this particular theme of spiritual growth. Keep in mind, though, uh, that spiritual growth is not automatic. Uh, it does require effort and action on our parts. Um, and it is a process. It is an ongoing process. Uh, within our lives. So for this morning, I'd like to call your attention to our text in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. So if you turn with me, please, to Galatians chapter 6 and, and look with me uh, beginning at verses 7 through 10. The Apostle Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. 
The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family uh, of believers. Uh, In this passage, the Apostle Paul uh, gives us this principle of sowing uh, and reaping. Uh, It is drawn from the the natural world, from the the world of agriculture uh, that uh, is part of our our world. Uh, And it's interesting because uh, in the context, uh, we didn't read it, verse 6, but uh, Paul is uh, initially uh, and foremost uh, applying it to how this uh, is connected with those who teach the word uh, and those who receive uh, benefit uh, from uh, teaching the word. Notice what he says here, verse 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Uh, in other words, Paul is saying that those who, who teach and preach you know, should be uh, uh, compensated in that way and shared with in the good things that you are learning from the Word of God, but also uh, in other ways. Uh, that, that is the, the, the general context that Paul is giving this principle, that if a, a person, if you would, uh, invests in the ministry of God's Word going out, they will, there will be a return into that. But if uh, you are holding back on supporting God's word as it goes out, the effectiveness and the, the fruit that is produced from that will be, will be limited. So he is dealing with that in, in the, the context, but uh, I see here that, uh, that he is actually expanding that beyond just this particular uh, issue uh, of supporting the word of God uh, as it, it goes out and as it's proclaimed. Paul goes on to use this principle and and applies it to the believer's uh, spiritual life. Uh, And one of the the things that you'll notice in this context and that it's basic to this principle of sowing and reaping is this. And every Christian and every person, for that matter, can understand this. Uh, Number one, that you reap what you sow. That's found in verse 7, a man reaps what he sows. Uh, meaning that if you plant corn in your field, you're going to harvest corn. Uh, if you plant wheat, you're going to have a wheat crop. Uh, you're going to reap what you've sown in terms of the, the seed that you've planted in the ground. Another thing that Paul points out about this principle is this. Not only you reap what you sow, but you and I uh, reap later than we sow. Uh, We plant uh, seed in our garden uh, early uh, or late spring and by by late summer and sometimes even to fall, depending on where you are in the country, you're harvesting a crop. It's later than what you have sown. In fact, Paul points that out uh, to us in verse um, 9, when he says, let us not be weary in doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Uh, At the proper time we'll reap 
uh, a harvest. Uh, there's a time frame that's involved there. So you and I reap what we sow. Uh, we reap later than we sow. And, and this might be a given, but you always reap more than you sow. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 8 that the seed which was received into the good ground produced a crop, sometimes a hundred, sometimes thick 30, sometimes uh, 60, uh, as much as what was sown. So you reap more uh, than you sow. Uh, and you and I uh, will reap what we sow. You can't get around that. Uh, as uh, J. Vernon McGee pointed, pointed out, this is an immutable, invariable, unalterable law which cannot be revoked. And William Barclay said it is a moral law of the universe which God has set in place. But more than what those two Bible scholars might say and teach, uh, let me just suggest to you it's so much more because it's biblical. God said it. Uh, that will settle any dispute of that. You can't get around this principle of sowing and reaping. Well, let's look at it in its context here for a moment. Um, notice what Paul says here at, at verse 7. Uh, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. I wonder what these uh, Galatian Christians were thinking or had in their minds or what Paul observed that he could say, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And that word for mocked there means that God cannot be disregarded, disrespected, and treated with contempt and, and disdain. Uh, one commentator suggests that it has the, the, the image of a person sort of turning his nose up at God in sort of a defiant attitude and mindset. But don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What might it have been going on in their minds and their hearts to, to be deceived? How were they being deceived? Well, maybe part of that was that they were thinking and acting as though this principle doesn't exist, meaning that one can sow and not reap. They're just disregarding the principle altogether. Or it could be that they're deceived into thinking that they can only sow a little bit and expect much in return. It's also possible that maybe they were deceived thinking that God could be mocked with impunity, that it doesn't matter, that God is going to overlook it, or that God doesn't care, or even that God doesn't exist. And if he does exist, he's not going to touch me. That's a deception. And so the principle uh, that he states here uh, is one that goes far beyond just the context of, of uh, supporting uh, the word of God uh, as it goes out. Because he says here, uh, here, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And he states the principle, and notice this, then he starts to apply it then to individual lives, to individuals. Verse 8 says, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that sinful nature will uh, receive destruction. You know, you see examples of that in Scripture. 
in both the Old and New Testament. Do you remember Jacob, how he deceived his brother, his father, to receive the, the patriarchal blessing and to receive the, the inheritance in that way? In Genesis chapter 27, he dressed up like his brother, put on his clothes, uh, brought his father uh, the, the, the meat that he liked to eat so that his father would bless him. And, and that was a transferring of the actual covenant blessing to, to him. And he was, he was wanting, think, wanting it to give it to Esau, but Jacob deceived his father into thinking that he was Esau and he received it. Well, fast forward a little bit in Jacob's life when he ran uh, to Laban, uh, his uncle, uh, and worked for him. Uh, one of the benefits of his working for him was that he could marry uh, uh, one of his daughters. Uh, and uh, he loved Rachel, who was the younger of the two. But lo and behold, when the wedding took place, uh, and then when the, the wedding and the honeymoon was over, lo and behold, it wasn't Rachel that he had married, it was Leah. And he was deceived by Laban. And he was reaping what he had sown. He had used deception to get something that, that he was not entitled to, God would have given it to him because he had already said that Jacob would be the chosen one. But he used deception, and, and in like kind manner, uh, Jacob was deceived. You think about David also in the Old Testament. Uh, he committed adultery with uh, Bathsheba. Uh, and then during Absalom's uh, revolt, uh, he committed the heinous crime of uh, going into David's concubines uh, as a result of that. David had Uriah put to death, uh, and death came to David's family. Or think about in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who consulted to Stephen being stoned. And you'll recall that in Paul's experience in serving the Lord, he was at one time stoned. Paul before he was converted, imprisoned people for naming the name of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul himself spent much time uh, in prison. William Barclay says that the Greeks taught that, that uh, a person uh, who acted wickedly would be uh, chased by his or her nemesis that would be on his tail and would eventually catch up with them. Uh, illustrating that principle of you reap uh, what you sow. J. Vernon McGee tells of a time that uh, he was with uh, a man who was an evangelist by the name of Mel Trotter that he invited to Nashville to hold evangelistic meetings uh, in, a, in a time gone by. And he says one time after the meeting, they uh, went to a place called Candyland, where everybody ordered a great big sloppy banana split or a milkshake or even a malt. And he says Mel Trotter ordered but a little itty-bitty glass of carbonated water. And everybody began to tease him and rib him about that. And they asked him the reason. And Dr. McGee says, I'll never forget his answer. He says, when the Lord gave me a new heart at my conversion, he did not give me a new stomach. Apparently, Mel Trotter was uh, one who drank a lot 
prior to his coming to Christ, and he had been reaping what he had sown. Someone might say, well, isn't God forgiving? And I would say to you on the authority of God's word, absolutely, yes, in Jesus Christ, God forgives. Yet he does not always remove the consequences uh, of our sins. In fact, someone has said, our sins are forgiven, but the scars can remain. So Paul then goes on to apply this principle, as I read here, beginning at verse 8. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. You see, he applies it to the believer's spiritual life, really to all people's lives. And if you and I sow to our flesh, and in the context uh, that can refer to our natural body, uh, the appetites that we have, but in a greater sense, uh, our, our fallen nature, the sinful, evil desires that we have uh, within us. If we sow to that, if, if that is what is the motivation of our lives, and that is what we, if you would, feed, the consequences are uh, destruction, as we'll see here in a moment. Proverbs chapter uh, 20 uh, and verse 4 says that the sluggard, the one who is lazy, doesn't sow his field, to use that analogy, and then goes out at harvest time and finds nothing. See, that's sowing to the, the, the natural tendency that you and I might have just by virtue of our human nature of not wanting to do anything. And Solomon says that there's a consequence to that. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 uh, these words when he talks about the, the natural appetites that our physical bodies can have. He says, verse 12, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. But everything is permissible for me, but, notice this, I will not be mastered by anything. And then verse 13, he says, Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. See, he's saying, my natural physical appetites, even for food, ultimately, I, I can eat as much as I want, <laughs> but there'll be a consequence. How many of you have determined that if you eat too much chocolate, you can get sick? You could have too much of a good thing, and there could be a consequence, an effect. What you sow, you reap in that sense. And Paul is saying, but I'm not going to allow my physical body to, to dictate how I, how I live uh, and what I do in that sense, even though it can be acceptable, even though it may not have a sinful, if you would, uh, 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 principle behind it. But then you have also, by way of contrast, not just the natural appetites that we can, we can feed, um, but there also are sinful nature that, that is there, that, that desires our attention and, and works against us and drags us away. Paul said it in this way in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, just a chapter before where we're uh, studying this morning. Verse 19 says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, 
hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Those are all things that, that come from the fallen human nature. It's not a problem on the outside, it's a, it's a problem from within. Uh, and he goes on to say, as, and uh, is a warning, that I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, if this is, if this is characteristic of your, the, your life and you're living in these ways, these will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a serious warning. In fact, Jesus indicates to us that these things that Paul describes here and elaborates on come from within us. Notice what he says in Mark chapter 7 and verse 20. He says, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils, notice how he defines them as evils, come from inside and make a person unclean and defiled. Paul says here back in Galatians chapter 6 that if you and I sow to the flesh, whether it be our natural appetites, physical appetites, or even our sin nature, the only outcome of that ultimately is that which leads to destruction, corruption. And the word there means that, the picture, if you would, that of fruit that is rotting. It has no benefit or value and does not last. Nothing good and nothing of lasting value can come from sowing to our flesh. It is detrimental. And you know, we either sow to our flesh or, notice this, we can sow to the Spirit. By way of contrast, Paul says here, not only do, can a person sow to his sinful nature and from that reap destruction, a person can also sow to the Spirit. And when he's talking about the, the Spirit here, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Uh, Paul expands on that in Romans chapter 8 a little bit. If you go back a couple books to Romans chapter 8, you'll notice this. And he, he approaches this, this idea of, of how we live and in relationship to either our, our sin nature that's still with us even as believing people or to the Spirit of God when he says in verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature, how are they living? They have their minds set on what the na the na that nature desires. But, by way of contrast, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The, the sinful mind is hostile towards God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so, so that those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. See, our sinful natures that are still with us as believing people cannot please God. And in salvation, God is not just trying to reform the old me. 
He's actually giving me new life in Jesus Christ that comes from his spirit. And that's why Paul could say, however, you are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the spirit of God, if the spirit of God lives in you, that you and I have the new nature that is created to be like Jesus Christ. How much attention do you and I give to that new life in Christ? How much attention and time do we invest in the spiritual things of God and of Christ? The one who reaps to the Spirit reaps from the Holy Spirit and from the work of the Spirit eternal life, which is more than just an extension of life, but it is life as God intended it. Life that is abundant and life that is to uh, the full. And notice this. Uh, Paul says here that the Spirit is the one who gives life. Not just unending life, but a quality of life that is found in Jesus Christ. So then uh, this is applied. This is applied to individual believers, this principle of sowing and reaping. So my question this morning is, where are you sowing? Where are you sowing? Where do you put your time, your effort, your energy, your focus? Where, where is the direction of your life? Is it on just the, the physical things of this world? The physical things that, that, that provide for uh, your, your, your just creature comforts? Which there's nothing wrong with those in and of themselves. Or, or do you invest in the things that are spiritual, the things that are of God and of Christ? In fact, uh, what, are, what are you sowing into your life? What type of things are you, are you occupying in your mind uh, to inform it? What is being sown into your heart uh, to move it? Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In other words, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. What are you sowing into your mind and into your heart? And I ask myself that same question. You know, this is, this is not uh, something we don't all realize or understand, but we live in an information age. I can't remember what the statistic is off the top of my head, but how many messages you and I receive in any 24-hour period? And it's something like in the hundreds of thousands of messages that bombard us and come into our, our minds, and, and if we're not careful, we'll, we'll land and root into our hearts. So my question is, what are you sowing into your life? In other words, what are you listening to? In terms of the news media, what, what do you listen to? in terms of the music that you, you may enjoy. Just this past week, I uh, drove past a, uh, a car and, was, and came to a light, and the car pulled up next to me. Its windows were down, and the music was loud, and it was blasting. And if, I guess if you like loud blasting music, that's fine. But the problem was I couldn't make out all the lyrics except for the profanities. And I'm thinking to myself, you're sowing into your mind, you're sowing into your, into your being this type of lyric. That has to have an impact on you. You cannot sow and not reap. 
a destructive consequence into your life. What about your understanding of who God is? What is sowing into your life to give you an understanding of who God is? Is it his word? Allowing him to teach you through his word who he is, who he reveals himself to be, what he asks of you, what he calls you to be in Christ? Or do you listen to the, the opinions that are, that are around you, which are thousands upon thousands upon thousands? Someone might say, well, just go Google it. That's probably not a good thing to gain your theology. In fact, uh, one of past president of Moody Bible Institute used to say, don't let the world teach you theology. And that's a good principle to, to keep in mind. Huh. If all you're doing is listening to the women of The View or even Fox News, you better be careful of how your heart and mind are informed about life and how God wants us to live it as followers of Christ. In fact, even the movies that we watch, you probably pick up on this, are filled with all kinds of messages, both subliminal and in your face. And someone has said in a different context, garbage in, garbage out. You reap what you sow. But as believers in Jesus Christ, God is in the process of producing within us the spiritual fruit of Christ-like character. If you want to know what that is, look at Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you sense that that's the message that the world is bringing to you and to me through the various mediums that come to us? Or is it something quite opposite? Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you sowing to the flesh? Or are you sowing to the Spirit? And, and you and I have a part in this process of sowing uh, and reaping. And let me suggest to you, and we will look at this a little bit later, next time we get together, that we have part in this process, and this process involves the sowing of the truth of God's word into our minds and into our hearts. Mark chapter 4 and verse 14 says that the sower sows the word. God wants you and me to sow his word into our hearts and into our lives. The result is that we'll have a transformed life. A life that God has planned for us and ordained for us. And we will reap a harvest of righteousness. We'll explore that a little bit further later on as well. What does it mean? Someone might say, though, is it worth it? Uh, I see so little fruit in my life. Well, I'm sure that the Spirit of God anticipated that query. Uh, of not seeing results, of not seeing fruit. So the Apostle Paul continues under the inspiration of the Spirit, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And you know what Paul says to you and to me as believing people? Even though we may not be seeing the fruit that we would like to see in our nature, 
in our character, in our conduct, and even in people coming to Christ. He says, don't become weary. It's easy to become weary. And if you're constantly hearing what the world has to say and the messages of the world, how could you not be weary? It's tiring. It's overwhelming. Paul says here, don't grow and become weary. One of the cures for weariness is what? Rest. Step back. You know, sometimes in our Christian life and walk, we're doing and 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 we become weary and we need to step back and rest. Remember, God said that one day in seven is a day of what? Rest. But don't become weary in doing good. Don't, don't, don't become overwhelmed by that. Be sure to get adequate rest. And then he says, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Don't give up. There are too many professed Christians. I wouldn't say that they are genuine Christians, all of them. But too many professed Christians that have thrown in the towel. Have given up on the church, the Bible, the Christian life, following Jesus. They just sort of give up on it. It's not worth it. I just want to live for the here and now. Huh. You look at the world in which we currently live, there's not much out there that's satisfying, if anything at all. Paul says, don't give up. Why? Because at the proper time, you and I will reap a harvest. And the timing of that harvest is always dependent upon God, as is the crop and the harvest as a whole. It's all dependent upon God. And the harvest includes souls that are saved, lives that are transformed, God's promises that are kept, God being praised, Christ being exalted, both in time and for eternity. And notice what he says in verse 10 as we conclude. The exhortation to continue. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do good to all people, especially fellow believers. And isn't that a uh, indicator and a picture of the gospel when we do good? God, who is good, gives us good things through Jesus Christ. This is the mark of the fruit of the Spirit of God at work in us and through the believer in Jesus Christ. And he says, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Now, some might think that that means individual opportunities, that, you know, here's my opportunity in this context to do something. Yes, that's part of it, but, it, but the word itself is a Greek word that means a distinct, distinct, fixed period of time rather than an occasional moment in time. In other words, you could say that the opportunity is the here and now that could apply to the believer's entire life and walk with God. This church age, the age of grace, is our opportunity to do good. And Paul says here, uh, we should take that opportunity to do good to all people, especially to those 
who are of the household of faith. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is our opportunity, if you would, to do good. And as a concluding thought to this, my prayer would be for myself and for all of us, may we, all the more in these days, sow to the Spirit of God in our lives that we might reap a harvest of righteousness and thus fulfill God's purposes for our lives while we are here on this earth. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for the challenge of your word this morning. Help us to realize this principle that you have put within the natural order and in the spiritual realm as well, that we reap what we do sow. Help each of us, Father, to sow to the things of the Spirit, the things of God and of Christ. So that, Lord, our lives might produce fruit that reflects the character of Christ, that produces fruit within us, Lord, that moves us to do good to others in the name of Christ and for the sake of the gospel and as an opportunity for witness. And, Lord, may we grow and mature in this faith walk that you've called us to through Jesus Christ. May we learn this principle well, and may it move us, Lord, to seek you all the more. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.